Welcome into this Friday, January the 8th edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready, Chris Landry with me here as well. We'll be with you for the next hour or so. Got a lot of things to talk about today, a lot of things that are kind of out there in the news. Uh, some, I don't know if it's news, but uh, some commentary this morning from Dan Patrick on the Dan Patrick Show regarding uh, Tennessee, regarding Georgia. We'll talk about that. Uh, Alabama will play for the um, national championship again on uh, Monday night against Ohio State. We've got NFL playoffs this weekend that I want to get Chris's thoughts on. Um, staff developments at Auburn, I, I guess at South Carolina. Um, kind of all over the place. A lot to get to. Texas filling out their staff. So a lot to get to today here on the show. Um, Chris, how are you? Neil, busy. Good, busy. Um, it's going to be a busy and fun weekend of football, obviously. Um, in terms of quality, if you like the pro game and the college game, you've got triple header Saturday, triple header Sunday, and the national championship game on Monday. It's. I hope the games are good, but certainly in terms of important, it's importance. Um, it's a, you can't get much more than that. And as you've kind of alluded to, there's so much going on. There's a news cycle, and then there's news cycles and then there's the timing of it it's altered a little bit this year but we've got multiple coaching searches staff searches and a lot of things going on you mentioned a couple of investigations which i see one going a little bit differently than the other but but who knows it's early and just tons of updates i know we have just in our notebook at landryfootball.com has been doing our best to keep everybody updated on the separating the the facts from the rumors and as you do, you're the veteran reporter to try to enlighten some things. But the uh, but there's a there's a number of ways to go. I, you know, it's uh, it's real interesting right now. But uh, I I don't know where you want to start. But uh, I will say this: that there's some it things are getting uh, dicier and dicier in Knoxville, and uh, we can start there or somewhere else if you want. But I, I will will finish okay. it by saying that is that is getting. That is the most imminent. Uh, that is the one that is a lot of moving parts, but they're moving fast, and they better move faster. Okay, let's get into that. I want to start there because we'll, we'll get to Alabama and Ohio State. We'll get to some of the other stuff about staff filling out. The 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 story that's out there that could sort of rock the SEC is, is Tennessee and where this would go. Um, I'll say this, Chris, I, I, and I said this on one of my podcasts yesterday. And my colleague Chase Parham said this as well. He's right. You learn in this, and I've been doing this for a long time. You have too. You learn in this that uh, there are certain reporters who have kind of different reputations, guys that are more aggressive, guys that are more conservative. And I don't mean liberal conservative. I mean careful conservative. Mm -hmm. Chris Lowe of ESPN is a remarkably good person. <laughs> And we all, we all would, would, the world would be a better place if everybody was Chris Lowe. Chris is a very conservative uh, reporter. And when I say that, I don't mean politically. I don't know what his political opinions are, nor does it matter. But he, in terms of stepping out on the limb, getting aggressive, Chris does not dive in. He puts his toe in, acclimates, and goes slowly. For him to go as far as he went on Tennessee the other day told me everything I needed to know about Jeremy Pruitt's future in Knoxville. It tells me that th he doesn't have one. 
the hiring freeze, the uh, they're 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 hanging him out to dry right now, Chris. They're leaving him alone in the wilderness, whatever whatever cliche you want to use. It's it's my opinion, just based on what I'm hearing, that Jeremy Pruitt has coached his last game at Tennessee. Yet here we sit on January the eighth. Uh, the the signing period is what I guess four weeks away from being finished. Uh, their kids can leave now with transfers. You've got uh, you've got one time no penalty transfers. The transfer portal is active. But you got a lot going on. If you're going to make a coaching change, you might should hustle. And Tennessee does not appear. And you, you might know a lot more here. And I'm I'm really interested to hand it to you and and, and hear what you have to say. It, it it seems to me that, that Tennessee is trying to sort of prepare a scenario, Chris, where they can get out from under some of the buyout that would be owed to Jeremy Pruitt, to his staff. The NCAA investigation, Dan Patrick referenced it this morning, appears to have some real steam. There's a lot happening there. Um, what what do you see happening at Tennessee and, and kind of what's the timetable in your opinion? I mentioned on Tuesday that when I um... – when I was going to do some work for them on some assistant moves and I was basic, I was told they're not, you know, they're doing work, but they're not hiring. And we talked about it on Tuesday and I know that it's made the rounds and that's real. And all right. So why will we know it's the investigation? And I think there's the, the outside opinion that they're trying to get Jeremy I don't think they're trying to get Jeremy. I, I, what I think what it is, is there's an investigation of which, look, I don't know. And when these NCAA investigations, we'll talk about a couple of them today. I don't know what happened. You know, I know what's reported. You know, so you got to be careful about all. Oh, I don't think. But so I think there's obviously there are people there that know a little bit more, and they're going to find out what they need to know. And what it really comes down to, I think what it comes down with with Jeremy, and in most of these situations, you know, the firing with cause, there's usually the buyout. There's usually a meet in the middle. And no one wants to make the lawyers rich, you know, and no one wants to have, if you're Tennessee and you're trying to get Jeremy Pruitt, it only is going to make you look worse in the coaching profession. Right. So it is going to be one of those cases of who did what, who's responsible, what assistance she said, what do they need to pay? If there's a lot of lawyering, lawyering, <laughs> working of attorneys, yeah, sure. uh, it's literally of trying to figure out what they do and how to do it. There's certainly involvement of money. So there needs to be, how are we going to have the money to do it? Okay. So do they have that? Uh, the one thing, and this is probably not going to shock anybody. I've been told that, you know, I've said all along that, look, just from a football standpoint, there's no question. Philip Fulmer looks bad more about the new contract he gave him or the extension he gave him two days prior to the start of this late season. The hiring is one thing you could. You know, you could question the hire, but the more the biggest criticism you can give Philip was the backstabbing he was doing before he got the athletic director job and how he was cutting people's throats. But once he became part, you know, again, officially a part of Tennessee, you know, the one thing that he makes look bad is that, wait a minute, 
y'all now are going to fire someone that you just gave an extension. That's going to look bad on him. And so what does that mean for Philip? Well, I've been told that Philip, as he has known to do, God bless him, is, is more than willing to throw anybody, including Jeremy, under the bus and, and would like to save his job and, and certainly can cost this. Well, look, this is, look, it's not a football decision, guys. It's, I mean, it's a football decision, but you know, we, you know, well, cause they're, what is reporters going to ask? Well, didn't you give him a, in December, a vote of, Hey, yeah, well, listen, look, we, we still believe that we could turn around, but look, we got this now we've got that. And, and based on that, this is the direction we need to go. It's sounding like that's where that's heading. Let me put it to you this way. At this point, there's a point, I think, of no return. And I use this in a completely different situation with Texas and Tom Herman. Oh, he's going to come back. They missed on Urban Meyer. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I've seen you come back. Tommy Tuberville, Les Miles. Bring a guy back, but it usually doesn't work. And it's usually to the point of no return. So this is kind of dead man walking. So if Jeremy survives and they go into next year, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to end well. And I think that in, unlike those two situations that I mentioned in Texas, Auburn, LSU, this is an NCAA plot to it where there is a, an ability. There's a reason to say, this is why we're moving in that direction. And then you know, they can go to Jeremy's lawyers and say, look, this is where you are in a full buy. This is where we are. This is, we want to make the lawyers rich or do we want to come to this? And then, you know, we'll see. Here's the one thing I want to add to that. Okay. Because everybody's, there's something that's really interesting to me on where they go if this plays out. Because there's going to be an inch, and I'm not saying which direction they're going to go. I just think it's one hell of a story in that everyone has got it assumed that it's they're there. They're going to do this and it's you freeze. That's next. So if they're going to trot out that this is NCAA reasons why they're moving on from Jeremy Pruitt, then they're going to, and regardless what you think about how bad or how not bad Hugh Freeze's NCAA situations were. And there's there's views on it both sides. Sure. The reality is there's a perception of an NCAA issue to the point of the SEC gave him a show cause and has been frowned upon it to this point. So now you're going to try it out. Hey, hey, cut, hold on, folks. Excuse us. NCAA problem out this door. Hey, folks, and welcome our new guy, you know, which has come with an NCAA. I mean, that is to me quite interesting. And we know they let Bruce Pearl go on, you know, too many hot dogs or whatever on the on the, on the grill, whatever. I, you know, and so I, I just think that's really interesting. So everybody that's got, it's a slam, slam dunk going with you, Freeze. Oh, boy, that's going to be interesting because Tennessee's going to be either – looked at one way or the other. You didn't hire you freeze. You're an idiot. You hired you freeze. Oh my God. What do you do? What are you doing? Just what I said. That's interesting. I don't think they're hiring you freeze. The other rumor that's out there, which frankly has more uh, viability to me is Gus Malzahn. Yeah, I know. And that, that, that good luck trying to incite the fan base on that for all the success Gus has had, that's just not going to do it for a fan base that went vitriolic on, 
Greg Schiano for a different reason. This is going to be interesting. I might say that there might be a compromise candidate there, and it'd probably be Jamie Chadwell. Um, East Tennessee guy probably would take it at this point. It's a late process. So if if the you freeze situation you freeze situation is not doable for whatever reasons, and I think that is to me the storyline. I just think there's a difference there. I think that if it's a they're plotting out, we're making a move, there's no NCAA issues, hey, you freeze, served his time, he's cleared to coach. That's one thing. I think now it's a different ball game because, boy, you are bringing in a guy that's had some NCAA pass as you usher a guy out. They're not hiring does. Freeze. They're just, just not, don't know. not hiring Hugh Freeze any more than South. But, but yeah. here's the thing. Here's the, this is a – it's a complicated thing, and I'm going to try to do this without insulting Hugh and without insulting media. But when you read Hugh Freeze's name so prominently at South Carolina and you look at who, who is doing the reporting, I can't help but wonder if the sourcing on that was Hugh Freeze. Sure it is. When you read, when you read the, uh, the Auburn stuff, literally, Chris, literally 30 minutes before I think it was Pete Thamel broke the story that Auburn was hiring Brian Harson from Boise State. 30 minutes before that, a national college football reporter wrote that sources said that Auburn's talks with Hugh Freeze were picking up steam. I can't help but think that the source on that was Hugh Freeze. So whenever I hear Hugh Freeze and Tennessee have momentum, I have to think that that sourcing is coming from Hugh Freeze, and it's more wishful thinking than it's anything else. I don't think he's a viable candidate there. I, I don't have a personal problem with Hugh Freeze. I, I, will, I will be one that will say that for all of the talk, as we talk about NCAA stuff, and I've told you this before, for all of the talk about what happened at Ole Miss with, with the NCAA, Ole Miss did. If Ole Miss cheated the way that people around the league accuse Ole Miss of cheating, Chris, they wouldn't have had so many horrible national signing days where they lost on their top targets at the last minute. They lost more than they won. They lost more than they won. Had Hugh Freeze cheated the way that he was accused of cheating, and let me make this clear, I'm not saying that he didn't try to cheat. I don't know. I don't know. But had they bought players the way they were accused of buying players, their roster would have looked different. There were, I mean, look, look, look at one of the main guys listed in that NCAA thing. It's Leo Lewis. Leo Lewis has never played a down of football at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, so people got to got to people got to be careful with that. But people people he, got worked up around the league. Hang on, people got worked up around the league about this. Needs to be said. This isn't about defending Ole Miss. This is not about defending Ole Miss at all. This is about being real. People got worked up around the league about Robert Kimdichie, who only came to Ole Miss because his brother Denzel was at Ole Miss. I sat down with Beverly Kimdichie on the Friday before uh, Ole Miss played Georgia in Athens when Robert was a high school senior, and I walked out of that meet. We had a cup of coffee at a like a Barnes & Noble Starbucks type thing. We sat in there for two hours, and I walked out of there, and I picked up the phone, and I called the people that I work with at Rivals, and I said, Robert Kimdichie's going to Ole Miss. There is no doubt about it. We need to get working on this story. I've got all these quotes, and we did. I mean, I sat down, 
in a hotel room in, in Georgia and just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote for hours about Robert Kimdichie. Ole Miss got Laramie Tunsil. It, it upset the people at Georgia. It upset other people. I'm just telling you, there wasn't a lot there. At the end of the day, all that Ole Miss ever got banged on with, with Laramie Tunsil was a loaner car and $700 to his stepfather. Because, yeah. Because Freeze was too was Freeze Freeze thinks that he's a great public publicist and he's not. He basically accused Laramie Tunsil's stepfather of of um of of being a wife beater. And of course, Laramie Tunsil's stepfather at that point said, Okay, well, I'm gonna take you down. And and some of his actions certainly led to Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze's downfall at Ole Miss. But the point is, is it really wasn't an NCAA thing. Your point about about Tennessee, though, is exactly right. Tennessee can't, in the midst of an NCAA investigation, let their coach resign, fire their coach, whatever semantic you want to use, and then bring in a coach with an NCAA past. They can't do it. Yeah, I guess my point, maybe maybe my point was missing, is first of all, there's I don't think there's any doubt Hugh would like this job, and I do sure. think a lot of that comes to it. The point I'm making is, it is, and I've seen this fan base rise up when they didn't want a candidate. Right now, it is every bit among that vitriolic fan base in media in East Tennessee that it is only one guy for us, and that's you, Freeze. So anything they're 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 going to have this. It's going to get interesting because. Don't bring anybody there, but you freeze, and they're not going to be happy. Now that changes if a new guy comes in and has success. But we are talking about a program that is has been so far down for so long that it is it's, it's going to be a big job for a Jamie Chadwell. And I don't think Gus is. I mean, Gus is not going to be able to to really fix this at Auburn. And I, you know, I, I mean, I think a lot of people would would say, you know, this, you know, why I'd rather it, a lot of the Tennessee folks said rather keep Jeremy. And again, this may not be uh football. Related. No, it's to me, this is interesting. Cause I, I think that everybody there, m- meaning in East Tennessee wants you freeze and anything others, they're not going to be happy with. And I think I mean, that it's going to be very difficult for, I, I don't know that the, First of all, I don't think the powers that be want to do that. I don't. What I'm saying now that's different than when we talked about this m- several weeks ago was I don't think they can do it now. I thought that it it was a I don't think they're going to want to hire Hugh Freeze. Now I don't think they can hire Hugh Freeze if they make a move from Jeremy Pruitt for the reasons that they're making. So yeah, I, mean, I think that's interesting. I think that's real interesting. What, in what is going to happen here? I mean, my, my wife wants Ryan Gosling. She's probably not going to get him. I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, it kind of, it kind of is what it is. I mean, this is a fan base wants somebody. You, you don't, it's not what you do. I mean, right. But I think we would agree. I, well, I, I, I'll speak for myself. Okay. I think you freeze is a hell of a coach. I think Hugh Freeze is a hell of a coach, and I think would be would have been a great hire for South Carolina and a great hire for Tennessee. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about football. Yeah. An outstanding coach, and I think could do good things at Tennessee. Now, I also think he has drawbacks, and I'm not talking about the personal stuff. He has one but, huge drawback. His ability to put together an SEC-caliber staff that can recruit against Georgia and Florida and the others is is the is the one giant question about Hugh Freeze? Yeah, that can be helped though. 
That's the one thing. He's got something. He's a savant in one area that you can work around it. So I think I think he'd be a really, really good coach and would really be a good pick. I'm just saying that the circumstances, and I think he would take the job. So so what are you saying, Landry? I think Hugh Freeze would be a good choice for Tennessee football-wise, and I think Hugh Freeze would take it. That's usually not the case, and usually the case it's it's you don't have both of them. I just think this, in my opinion, this is going to be difficult for them to pull off because, hey, I don't know that Tennessee feels the way I do. And and two, with the NCAA stuff, if this is how it's going to go down with, with Jeremy, I don't think they're going to be able to do that from a PR standpoint I, or just from a I know I mean, NCAA and SEC standpoint. He'd take it. He'd crawl on broken glass all the way from Lynchburg to – Yeah. I know yeah. that. All right, there's Small Tom has a question here in the stream. Says, would, would Napier to Tennessee be an option? And I'm going to add to that. Would Bill O'Brien be an option? Because that's another name that I hear. Um, listen, I, you know, Billy Napier would have taken the South Carolina job. Okay, that that's not, that's not you know, let's not. He didn't turn it down. Um, he was not, he may not have been excited about going to Auburn and coaching in the, in the West. I'm not saying he turned it down because they never even got to a serious interview. So I can't really say either way on Auburn. Um, I think that Billy would absolutely be interested, but I think he'd want to see can things, what's going on there. He, Billy knows Jeremy. He knows, I mean, he, he knows enough to know that you got to do your due diligence on Tennessee. And, and, and if we're going to throw some NCAA stuff on it, do you know, you got to be really careful where you want to go. I mean, you got to be really careful if you're going to go there um, because he is in a situation where he can get that type of a job. So, yes, he'd be interested in looking into it. But what is un, under the covers there? And, and again, getting the full understanding of what the um, the NCAA situation is, is going to be a key. And, and, is Jimmy Sexton will be able to help him with how how much of a danger this is or what have you. So that's where I'll leave that. All right. Um, Dan Patrick in the same conversation that got the Tennessee thing start, started up said he's hearing that, quote, Georgia has been sloppy and that they are on the NCAA's radar. It's a very loose quote, but that's I've got the I've got the sentiment and the context down. I'm not going to dive away from this and, and and do what a lot of media will do where they're scared to say something. I remember when the Ole Miss stuff was beginning in 13, you heard all these rumblings around the league that everybody was furious with Ole Miss, with Hugh Freeze, with accusing them of, of cheating. The Barney Farrar was – they had the arrangement with Barney Farrar and Dan Werner regarding recruiting, and, and the league didn't like it specifically. Nick Saban didn't like it specifically. Mark Richt didn't like it. There were, there were, there were people around the league that, that didn't like it. They were raising a stink with the league office. Uh, I think Freeze was told, hey, you got to clean this up. you got to fix this, and he didn't do it. He ignored it. Freeze has a, a, a rebellious streak in him like a lot of coaches, and, and it bit him squarely in the ass. I say that to say this. For the last couple of years, there's been a lot of rumbling around the league, Chris, about Georgia, about what happens in recruiting, 
Um, I can tell you there was a lot, a lot of it in this state, Mississippi, a couple of years ago when Georgia was actively involved with the, with a handful of players in this state. Um, this has been out for a while that people are angry about what's happened. And, and now you hear Dan Patrick, who is a respected, connected, national re- reporter. There probably aren't 10 people in, in our field more connected than, than Dan Patrick. And for him to say that on his airwaves tells me that there is some traction here. Well, there's always, you hear a lot of things I do and, and like what's going on and what couldn't be going on, what might be going on. It's always difficult for me because I, I've kind of been there. I always, you know, even on coaching staffs, when I was on a coaching staff, you'd hear this about, you know, well, they're doing this over there and, you know, you hear things. What's difficult is I don't know what's true. I don't know to what degree it is. Um, so, you know, it's hard to comment on an unknown for me. The the fact that there's smoke out there is, yeah, it's not news. There's smoke at a lot of places. Um, what do they have? What's provable? Uh, I don't have, I mean, basically you've got to have proof and bring it to the NCAA and the SEC office. They have no enforcement arm. They have no ability to look at things and so many things get unpunished. So I do think there's a hierarchy where certain programs, the burden of proof is a little bit higher for certain programs than others. But I also think that you got to come with the evidence and you've got to say this happened, that happened, and here's the proof of it. And you've got to lay it out to them and, you know, where they can rubber stamp it. So my thing is, is, yeah, I, I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, I, I am, I am not beyond, um, I mean, I've been around this enough. It's not my first rodeo. There's, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. Um, I don't know exactly what they got on them and where this is going to lead. I will say this. It better be clear and provable because I think that's one of the programs that they would have to have the clear. I mean, I, I just see certain programs. Get proof. You mentioned Ole Miss. Let's call it what it is. Ole Miss Absolutely. is the little dogs. Um, the burden of proof is going to be greater. I mean, I, I look. I'm, and everybody throws it on. It's just Mark Emmert, but I mean, there's been a lot of stuff. There's stuff right in Baton Rouge that I'm just like, really. I mean, okay. I mean, it's just like the smoking gun, the body, the fingerprints, I mean, the DNA. What, what, what do you, I mean, okay. Nothing's happened. Okay. Well, I mean, so that leads me to believe that, eh, you know, it's just, I, I certainly, I'm going to go back to the Auburn situation and whether it's Cam Newton and other situations. I mean, now Mike Slive, God rest his soul, took, um, took care of a lot of that. Um, with the, I mean, that, that old Cam Newton, and it went away real quick. That's Mike Slive and his NCAA background connection. So I don't know. I mean, you know, it's it's hard. It's what, who do you have? Look, North Carolina, they went out and lawyered up, and they got a lot of things covered up and are taken care of. So is, is it like the news story that Georgia could be up to something? Oh, my God, there's something going on. Well, yeah, there's something going on in recruiting with everybody. Are they on the verge of being caught and punished? 
I don't know. I want to wait and see that because that's about what proof do you have and what they're able to do with it. So I think that I'm not dismissing it, but it's not like anything that to me, because we got issues at Florida right now. Yeah. Again, where is that going to go? You know, is it going to go? I you know, I don't know. Um, and again, we got issues at Tennessee. Now, Tennessee, I don't know. Is that one of those cases where they're trying to finagle things a certain way it, 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 in Knoxville? I, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of things. That's a whole story maybe for uh, the, the offseason where we can go into stories and issues with maybe not protecting some of the names, but things that just happen that n- nothing ever comes of it. I see a lot of that. So when something comes of it, that's the news story. So I'm 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 respectful of it's out there, but then I see all that and then I never hear from it again. I wanna I wanna I wanna see it actually take place and and be finished before I I know it and and actually know what the hell's going on because because I don't other than just the generic stuff. Yeah, no, and I respect you laying it out like that. You're right. Um, it's. If it, you use the dog analogy, um, the, the 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 smaller dogs in the league, if you will, and they don't like being called that, and I don't blame them for not liking it. Um, they, it's easier to kick them than it is to go kick that big dog. It's the repercussions can be different. So you're right. It's it's, but it's a challenge, and you 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 nailed it about Mike Slive, and it's a challenge for Greg Sankey at, at, at this time, because if you if if there's a if there's a perception within the league that certain programs get away with things that other programs can't get away with, you can turn into the, it's cliche, but you can turn into the wild, wild west really fast. And, you know, the, the analogy that got used, I always th- found it funny, the analogy that got used with Ole Miss, with Hugh Freeze, um, was that, you know, Ole Miss was going, speed limit 70, right? And everybody's driving 82, 83. Every once in a while, somebody speeds up to 84, 85, but everyone's going 82, 83. Everybody's breaking the law, in other words, Chris, but they're all sort of doing it the same way, and so everybody says, okay, we're kind of self-policing. The argument was that Ole Miss started going 105. I would dispute that. I think maybe they tried to, but they didn't have the horsepower to go 105, if you want to know what I honestly believe. Regardless, if you start letting, if the perception is, boy, Georgia's going 105, LSU's going 111. Florida's going 109. We're sitting back here going 83. Either these guys got to come back down to us or we're going to go to them. Well, they always protect the Blue Bloods in any case. It's what's the old saying, even in like in basketball, Kentucky makes a violation. They'll they'll put Missouri on probation. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, Alabama does does something in football. They'll, they'll put Kentucky on football probation. It just look, around, look around. Look around the league, and, and I, I, Elijah Drinkwitz does not strike me as the type of guy that's going to sit there and go, "Oh well, you know, we're just we're not we're not one of the blue buds." Lane Kiffin does not strike me as that guy. No, I think I think it brings up some interesting things. And oh, by the way, this has been. The 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 the, uh, the shots been thrown across the bow from the Big Ten folks for years. Oh, here in the Big Ten, we do things in a holier than thou way, and those SEC thugs do things a different way. And then they hired my buddy Urban Meyer, who goes to Ohio State, which you know, in a football sense, is like 
you know, bringing the hooker to the church picnic. And, and it's just one of those deals where you're looking at, holy mackerel, really? They do that? Well, you know, they, they, they suddenly, he pushed the envelope in recruiting there to where, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I think that, that there's a lot of people. And I think we're getting a lot of that because you got issues within the conference, which are a little bit different, as you're alluding to, than when you're talking Big Ten. But you get, you know, Big Ten, the SEC, or vice versa, or Big 12, whatever, where you get other conferences. But you have those conversations. And you have some of the – that's where all these tips go into the NCAA. But again, again, what can you prove? The Blue Bloods are Blue Bloods for a reason. They're protected. But here's the other thing. They have the means by which to make sure that the evidence stays deep into the closet and doesn't come out. And that has a lot to do with it. too. Sure. No, it and you can't do anything unless you prove it. And there's this fundamental lack of knowledge of how the NCAA works, that they've got everybody on every campus looking. There's nothing. There's no, they have no, they have no subpoena power. They have no, enfor- they are in the worst position, the NCAA they've ever been. They can't enforce anything. They can't even investigate anything. It has to come to them. As I said, here's the smoking gun. Here's the written evidence. Here are the pictures. Here is the security camera. We got it all. And then they're like, you know, then they got it. Then it's still, I've seen situations where you have that and more, and it still doesn't happen. We'll wait till coaching at LSU. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, it's just whatever. I mean, look, it's my school. (laughs) They're they're right there. They're they're, they're 10 minute drive down the road. I just every time I see him, I'm like, I would have said there's no chance that guy's ever on campus after this came out when he was suspended. But anyway, I, that that's that <laughs> kind of does that. But we'll switch gears, talk about some other things around the league. We'll, we're going to talk about the championship game in just a moment too. First, I want to say we're brought to you by Blue Sky. They believe in being fast, fresh, and friendly at Blue Sky through the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of the stores. Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from services to products. Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all, and Blue Sky wants to show all their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They'll always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the southeast. All right, Auburn made some hires, Chris. Uh, Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, what have you thought about uh, Brian Harson's moves on the Plains? Uh, Derek's a good hire, a really good defensive coach. I think people forget how good of a defensive coach he has been in the past. I actually think a lot of the schemes that he ran at Vanderbilt were pretty sound just not enough talent in most cases, but when they played well, it's been fortified or it's been the forefront or it's been the defensive side of the ball. Um, Mike is good with working with quarterbacks. Um, They're, you know, they're not uh, happy at South Carolina that they, they lost them. So I think it's a good move and it's somebody with Southern ties and, you know, Derek doesn't have, Southern ties other than coaching at Vanderbilt enough, but that helps those two good moves, which 
by the way, I think South South Carolina will hire Marcus Satterfield to be the offensive coordinator. He comes over from the Panthers to replace Bobo's role. The the one guy that's interesting on the Auburn hire. So they were going to bring in um, Jeff Schmetting and still may from Boise state. Um, and he hired him before the Mason deal was done. He was the defensive coordinator there. I don't know quite what happened. My understanding is going to be the linebacker coach, but maybe was going to be some sort of a co-coordinator role or something. And I don't know if there has been some, you know, misunderstanding about what your title and role is going to be because that is up in the air now. So it's it's maybe, maybe not Jeff Schmetting's going to be joining. But for the folks that people, the coordinators, I think these are two good coordinator hires. I think they're ones that um, – you know, certainly can help in recruiting. The, the other hires are going to be really important, though, recruiting. That's what I worry about, recruiting, recruiting, recruiting for Auburn. Uh, Brian doesn't have that those ties. He's going to have to have guys in that footprint that can get it done, or this is going to be difficult. Um, how big of a blow was it to South Carolina that Mike Bobo left shortly after agreeing to new deals? I mean, a lot of people there are worked up. They're not particularly thrilled with what's going on with the staff building there. The recruiting is, is shaky at this moment. Look, and, um, you know, um, Will Friend, too, left. Yeah. That's another one. So he lose two. Um, look, it's, yeah, they're frustrated. And, again, I don't want to – not I told you so or trying to be rude or disrespectful, but we've discussed this in the summer, right? There's a pecking order. Okay, so if you're at South Carolina, you, you're going to take an Auburn job. Money's better. The program's better. You know, it's just – it's South Carolina folks don't like to hear that. Missouri folks don't like to hear – I mean, there are certain programs don't like to hear that. Why can't we do that? They, there's there's a cash system in, in the – not cash. <laughs> it's just it's not – Cast system. And and look, you know, people say, I can't believe they they just signed deals. And that happens a lot. That happens a lot. You get a better offer. I've done it myself, you know, with with guys that those those are two better jobs, more prominent program, and it's tough. So um that's why he went and he got Marcus. He knows Marcus. Um he's got to figure some things out now. With Marcus, too, I think Marcus will probably end up helping him with what they're going to do with the offensive line. So, But I think that they're going to have – at South Carolina now, not to, not to jump around. So Marcus Satterfield is going to be the new coordinator. He's got an offensive line background. Uh, will they bring in a pass game coordinator? How they do that, um, that's going to be key. Because Shane's not the guy that's, you know, the, the on-the-field guy. So they're going to have to figure out the passing game and the quarterback coach because they've lost that. So they're going to have a completely different type of offensive coordinator now. So they're, they're, you know, they're scrambling. Look, and again, don't be rude. If you're at South Carolina, I don't mean to be rude. If you're at South Carolina, that's what you need to do. You need to do it. If you're at Illinois and the guy has a chance to go to Michigan, it's going to go. Okay. It's just, you know, it happens. You just got to be prepared for that. Missouri lost their defense coordinator to Illinois. You know, I, they're not devastated by, it, but it's, it it ain't ideal, you know. There's 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 a there's a caste system, you know. 
I know Texas is not in the SEC. You told me the other day Bo, Bo Davis was going to join the, the Texas staff. He had been mentioned with a couple of SEC jobs. I don't really think there was a whole lot to it, by the way. Um, it just got mentioned. He goes to Texas to join uh, Steve Sarkeesian. What have you thought about the staff that Sark is putting together in Austin? Uh, good staff. Bo's really good. I am – I know Bo, uh, and I know he had – an issue that that's another case you know Bo was kind of the fall guy for a mistake he made but I think Bo was acting on his own I'm I think you know it's it's a little back when he was at Alabama quietly let go and Jefferson, there you go Simmons yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um I LSU got scared away from hiring him for as and and, and he's the net he compiled Lincoln Junior College I signed him at LSU um I I thought he would have been a really good hire for LSU. Uh, there's a need there, and and they decided to pass, and that's a really good hire for Sark. Um, they are, as everyone has, and talk about, <laughs> I love him. He was one of my guys at LSU, played for us. Corey Raymond, very respected. Every year there's a rumor with Corey going somewhere. Sark is, you know, going to make a run for him. Uh, 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 Something other than secondary coach, though, don't think that's going to work. But it's a leverage play. Corey's worked this pretty well because, you know, they're going to give him the entire secondary room. They're going to split it up, you know, maybe maybe help his leverage situation at uh, at LSU. I My guess is he'll probably stay at LSU, but, you know, if he's not happy with, with their how they want to structure things on defense, uh, and again, LSU, by the way, has offered Marcus Freeman their defense coordinator job. That wasn't an interview. That was a recruiting trip that he took the last day and a half. Um, but uh, they're making a run him at Texas. Sark is going to bring – Kyle Flood's going to end up going to Texas. I mentioned that on Tuesday that he's going to have a decision relationship uh, unless Nick wants to really pull out the stops. Um, I think that – the Kyle Flood situation with Sark due to their relationship is closer. Sark's the re- the reason why uh, uh, Flood's there. He was the reason he was the guy that recommended him. So I expect him to go. Um, certain Holman Wiggins is going to move. The receiver coach from Alabama is going to go with them to Texas. Um, maybe Jeff Banks, not a definite, but but Jeff Banks might also um, end up going. Those are the three for certain off of the Alabama staff. Greg Tucker wants to know how serious was Barry Odom to Texas. Didn't go very far, actually. Didn't go very far. Um, surprisingly, um, and I wonder as much as people automatically assume, ah, oh, Texas, they'll outpay everybody. They throw that around a lot. They really don't pay as much. I'm guessing the offer wasn't enough to make him just, you know, go off in his socks and be real old dancing. So, he just, Chris, there's a lot of money in Northwest Arkansas, and I, I get, I know what you're saying. If if Arkansas ever decides they want to pay with the big boys, don't get me wrong, and that's there there are a lot of a lot of disadvantages, and there that is a really uh, tall hill to climb. But the the money's there if if they want. There to. is if they want to spend it, and right. they don't spend it, they have the money. They may not. NM has got NM is. A and M is is kind of unique, but uh, but you're right. When you start talking about Tyson Chicken money and Walmart money, yep. but they 
they don't spend it as much as freely as you might think that they would. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why they're, you know, they're good, but they're not as good as they could be in my view. Uh, so that's, that's the, but it never got as close. I mean, I think there was an offer, but I just don't think it was like substantial and it wasn't so much that Arkansas couldn't match it. And it wasn't like Arkansas had to, the Arkansas didn't have to pony up that much more money to keep it. Uh, Bagman wants to know what you, what you're hearing about Zach Arnett, the Mississippi state defensive coordinator, a lot of talk about where he might go. I know Mississippi state's trying to keep him. Um, been a lot of, or this is the wrong word given the climate today, but a lot of kind of unrest there in Startville about yeah. what No, him. his name has come out a lot. In fact, I was looking to see, I made notes, kind of cross trained. His name has been mentioned in several different spots. So, um, you know, I, I think it's one of those cases where it's going to cost them a little more, you know, and I, you know, I, I don't, have a feel that he's definitely leaving, uh, but there's interest in him and he has interest in exploring, which happens a ton, you know, sure. folks, folks, that's, that's, I got to tell you the only time I ever got a raise at college or the NFL level was when somebody else tried to hire me and just, it, it just, it, it, it's just the way, you know, rarely do they say, you know, Neil, you're great. We love you. And, what we're thinking, we'd like to throw more money at you. It it just, work. you know, it just doesn't, it just, I, it may work in your profession folks, but it just doesn't happen. And that's so it's used a lot. Yeah. When you have leverage in any field, you should use it. You're, you're foolish, yeah, you're you foolish if you don't, the, the, the thing that you have to be, uh, you have to be willing to do, whether it's coaching or anything else is when you go to the bosses and say, so I've got this offer. Oh yeah. You, you've got at that moment, you have to be willing to take that offer. No, that's, that is absolutely true. And, um, some of those situations can get real interesting. Uh, in in the, you know, the, the, you say, yeah, you know what the, the, the way they mostly go is man, Neil, God, that's, that's fantastic. That's man. I don't blame you. That's, that's a shoot. And that is, that is great. Um, <laughs> Man, I, what, I, that, what a great opportunity that is. Good that's or it could, or it could get like um, when Dale Brown went into Bob Broadhead's office and was <laughs> kind of it was awful the Oral Roberts job. So, and and I know Dale was God love him. I still a good friend. He says send me texts, text group texts every now and then. But you know he's very evangelical. But really going to go to Oral Roberts, and Bob said. Uh, and this was, they didn't like each other. And th now this is, this is really unprofessional, Bob, to do that. But when he said that, he said, Oh, hold on. Yeah. Here, here's the pen. What a, what a, what a, what a jerk move that was. But anyway, so yeah, no, you better be prepared. You can play the leverage game, but you better be willing to jump because you may have to. Yeah, and if you are willing to jump, then you should absolutely play the leverage game. If you're not, you got to you got to take it. Better be careful. You got to take a deep breath. There were a couple of times early in my career when I was in Mobile, Chris, where you know I had a couple of newspapers kind of pursue me a little bit and talk to me a little bit, and 
And Laura would say, you should go in and, and tell the register. I'm like, okay, well, are you willing to move there? Because in, unless you're willing to move there, we probably need to be a little careful with that because I've, I, I might, I might be on the upper limits of what they're willing to pay me here. So you gotta of- be, you gotta be careful. Sometimes I had I, out of, um, Syracuse offered me a job one time and, and, and I, out of the blue and, but they contacted my boss, the head coach, uh, I didn't know about it. In other words, it was like, I'm interested in hiring him. I didn't know. And it was like, well, you look at, no, I wasn't looking. I really was. Cause that was in a time where you didn't have social media. I didn't, you didn't talk to me. You didn't throw anything out. It was like, so sometimes it could work against you. It's like, and then, and actually temple did offer me a job. And I looked at him. I told my guy, I said, I, have you been to, Bleeping temple. I mean, it's like you gotta park your car in a cage. I mean, me, South Louisiana, Temple, like I'd fit there. You gotta be, be the recruiting coordinator at Temple. Yeah, this was way back a long time ago. No, so something you gotta be careful sometimes when your name's associated with you, you need to go in and say, Hey, look, I so this came. I, I think that's what you gotta do to say, Hey, look, coach Neil, I you know, I'm I'm not. I don't know where that's is coming from, but it ain't me and it, it ain't my agent. Or if I got an agent, no, I know I had an agent. So, all right, be careful. Monday night, Alabama, Ohio State, the final game of this college football season. Uh, Nick Saban going for national championship number six in uh, Tuscaloosa would be his seventh overall. Ohio State, uh, Ohio State, very rarely the underdog. They're the underdog this time. I think the line's about eight points, seven and a half, eight points. I've done it this way all year. It's probably not the very best way to do this. Give me a scenario where Ohio State wins the game. Well, I think the scenario's better than what Clemson could have done, and I think it's going to have to be a couple of things. I think that Justin Fields is going to have to pay, play every bit as good as he did last week, maybe better. The offensive line is going to have to lead the way. They're going to have to be able to run the football with Trey Sermon to give them some opportunities to make some big plays in the passing game. They're going to have to um, score points to stay in this game. And they're going to have to have some balance. They're going to have to work tempo. I think that they are very well coached both sides of the ball, but offensively, specifically, they will run tempo and they will back off of it. They'll do things at the line of shoot the back. I think they've got, it's got to be an offensive game success for them. Defensively, it's a hold on. I mean, you've got to be able to limit big plays. The best way to try to, to slow down Alabama's offense is you've got to prevent the big explosive play easier said than done but if you don't do it then you just you're behind and you're always in a chase position and then if you lose a possession you're down and then it's you're done so you've I think that comb Kerry Combs will play uh, try to play a lot of too deep I think they're gonna really do maybe even some cover three looks they will but Alabama can run the football and run power. So can that defensive line, which is better, this this Ohio State defensive line is better than this Clemson defensive line this year, not historically, but this year. Um, 
you know, that's going to be the key. Watch how Ohio State defends Alabama's run. If they have to play it with numbers, they got no shot because that's where the numbers, which you have to do to stop the run, because that's the quickest way to die. That's just that's that's death. Clear. You got to stop the run regardless what the circumstances. Um, But if they can do it with seven, they've got a shot to slow down the passing game enough to make it a game. I I think it can be a pretty good game, uh, to be quite honest with you. I think it may be more competitive than people think, but I I would have a hard time picking against Alabama just based on what I've seen. Is it an issue at all, a distraction at all, that Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, is having to spend some time this week as the head coach of Texas? Well, uh, not as much as it is in most cases. It's happened 12 times for Saban. 12. Wow. So they're experienced with it. And here's how he does it. Because he learned this from when he was a, took the Michigan State job. So <clears throat> when he was at Michigan, when he was at Cleveland, there was a six-week gap between accepting the job at Michigan State and ultimately getting on the job. Think about that. Six weeks. Because it was... Uh, finished the regular season, went to the playoffs. And so it was a a good long gap. Belichick hired a secretary and another assistant full-time to do all of his Michigan State work. So basically Nick didn't have to do anything. In fact, we didn't have the – it was car phones then. And he would would spend the 20-minute drive from Strongsville into Berea every day to the office – talking to the guy at Michigan State that was the contact there. And then on the way home, he did it again. And that was it. And everything else was Cleveland. So why am I saying that? Nick has implemented that with every one of it, from Jimmy Mack to any everybody. He has – he's got enough people on staff. He hires – he has Alabama have people in place that will handle. So Sark has a Texas – Somebody at Alabama that's handling all of his Texas stuff that's the conduit to the person that Texas. So I don't think it's going to be. I think I love Alabama fans, but if they lose, that's going to be the – well, Ohio State was fresher and Sark was distracted. It's not going to be an excuse. This team will be prepared, and they've got it handled. Others can't do it as well. They don't have as many resources. They don't have as much experience. He's the best. He does. He, he covers every base. All right. We got a few minutes left. Um, I'd be crazy not to uh, get your thoughts on these NFL playoff games here in these last few minutes. I'll just, we've got about, I don't know, five, six minutes, Chris, so about a minute on each game. If you don't mind, we'll try to, uh, we'll try to keep it close. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you through it. The, the, the Colts at the bills, the first game on Saturday, uh, they're in Buffalo 1205. You can see it on CBS. The Colts a six and a half point underdog. Buffalo is playing the most complete best football in the AFC going into the playoffs, uh, you know, because Kansas city's wrapped things up and they've been kind of, I think Kansas city's still the team to beat Buffalo is really good in all facets. The only issue here is, is the moment too big for them. I don't think it is, but in experience, they're better than the Colts. Um, they're really good. Quarterback play, offensive line play, running game's good. Defense is outstanding. Very well coached. Both their quote. Brian Dayball, former 
Belichick and Saban assistant, another one of those guys who moved on. Um, Buffalo, I think, takes care of business. Just can you handle the moment? Remember when Josh Allen, they were leading against the Texans last year, and he had a couple of critical mistakes. Josh is a different player, different-looking team. That's the only thing that would curtail it is a throwback to some pivotal mistakes. The Los Angeles Rams and the Seahawks get together 340 Central Time on Fox on Saturday. The Rams, a four-and-a-half-point underdog at Seattle. What do you think? Looks like, in my opinion, the best, most competitive game in the Saturday slate. These teams know each other, play each other twice this year, every year this year. They know each other very well. All these games are close. I don't know how many of these games are close. I hope all six. I would be very surprised if this one's not close. Seattle, edge at home, but not the typical edge. Let's remind folks, in some cases, some fans, some cases, none. Um, the best, the A-plus Rams game wins this, but they are a little too inconsistent. Seattle, edge at quarterback might be the difference here. This ought to be a really good one. The nightcap on Saturday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite at Washington against the uh, nicknameless Washington football team. Uh, you can see it 7-15 on uh, NBC. Buck's going to run away with this one? Um, yes, the Bucks will win big, and I'm, I'm trying to come up with a way to really describe it. Well, let me put it this way. There's really nothing I can say for Washington. The only thing I can say historically, we've had two teams that have won divisions with less than 500 records. Seattle did it the year after the Saints won to the Super Bowl, and that was the beast mode Marshawn Lynch game. It was 7-9, and they won. The other time it happened was the Carolina Panthers, coached by Ron Rivera, and they won. So the teams that have a less than 500 record that go to the playoffs and get home field advantage, they're 2-0 and historically. I think they're going to be 2-1. and I think Tampa wins this, and I think it'll be pretty easy. The Sunday slate starts with Baltimore at Tennessee, a couple of uh, really solid AFC teams. 12.05, you can see it on ABC and ESPN. The Ravens, a three-and-a-half-point favorite in Nashville, Chris. Yeah, I imagine NBC would probably rather have this game at night, um, although you got to spread it around. I think this is the best matchup going into it. You like football. You like physical football. You like line of scrimmage football. It's pretty good. These teams like to run the football. They believe in running the football. Uh, they are built around the run. Derrick Henry running the football. That's leading the way. Tennessee at home has ability with Tannehill to make some plays in the passing game. Uh, obviously has some weapons. I don't think either defense is great. So both, both of these teams will be able to move the football well. And I think you will see these teams have some success throwing it because the run game success is going to be able to manipulate coverage. Um, I hope this game is as good as I think it's going to be. I think it's a toss-up game. Maybe maybe an edge for Tennessee at home, but something tells me that Lamar might make a few more plays and pull it out on the road. We'll see. Remember Baltimore lost as a 14-2 and two, number one seed last year in the first round. Something says – that they're going to probably get it done. By the way, real quick, not to get off, but the Ravens linebacker coach, Mike McDonald, coach for John Harbaugh, is likely going to be your new defensive coordinator at Michigan to replace Don Brown, 
who was fired and now is going to be the head coach, University of Arizona. How about that? Uh, Bears, the uh, <clears throat> NFL's best team, the Chicago Bears, they go uh, to New Orleans. For whatever reason, Las Vegas just completely off here. The, the, the Bears, a 10-point underdog in New Orleans, this game at 340 on CBS on Sunday. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Drew Brees, a battle of, of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. What do you think? Well, I think the Saints have been very good defensively all year long. All three levels, they're really sound. Ironically, the Bears, you know, starting to find a little offense and the defense is not as dominant. Um, you know, I just, uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if the Bears can sustain in, in their improvement on offense. Look, I mean, I, I, I'm not quite sure why they weren't doing a little bit more offensively of what they've been trying to do schematically. It works a little bit better, and now they've got some intriguing decisions to make in Chi-Town. But, you know, I think the chart control passing game is what they want to do, um, and that's what they have to do. And, look, I give them a shot. I just I think the Saints have been more complete, more balanced. Um, don't know if Kamara's going to play. I mean, I would expect Kamara's going to play. He has not been able to practice. He's been in virtual practices. He's in protocol. I think they'll have a plan for him. I, I just I think Sean Payton is the best offensive play caller in all levels of football. I think the Saints get it done here. Um, I don't know how far they'll go, but I think they'll take care of business at home. And uh, it'll be a loud whatever, 15, 20. They, they tried to sneak. 55,000 in there. And, and that's what they're trying to push. They're not going to have it, but it'll be a lot of 15,000. I think the Saints win at home. Um, sorry to do that to you, but you know, who knows? Maybe you can laugh at me Monday, Tuesday. It's hard to believe that Mitch Trubisky is going to get knocked out of the playoffs. I just can't see that coming. All right. The last, the last game, uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, two teams that know each other very well. They'll play in Pittsburgh. The Browns are four-and-a-half-point underdog. This is the 7-15 Sunday night game on NBC, wrapping up the wild-card round of the playoffs. Well, one of my pro alma maters, the Browns, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about them here. They didn't, they didn't play very well. They had a must-win game against Pittsburgh's backups, and they really struggled last week. And now – Kevin Stefanski cannot coach this game. Got two other assistants. I mean, a Steeler team is not as dominant as they look when they were unbeaten, but they just look better right now than Cleveland. I'm concerned that this game, the last game of the weekend, is the reason why you put it in this order. I know. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned this game may not be as good as we might like to recap up, but hopefully I'm wrong that it is. I just like Pittsburgh here. I don't know. I don't like Pittsburgh going all the way. I just, I thought Cleveland had a much better chance when they, you know, last week at this time. I just don't like what's happened since. All right, we'll wrap it up there. Hey, hey. Real, real quick, can I throw a couple of things that I wanted to? Uh, Florida's Wesley McGrip is going to likely be the new secondary coach. Coach coming over from Auburn. Um, that's that's the only thing that's really imminent. And I guess do we have anything? Yeah, we appreciate everybody uh in the chat room joining us. Um absolutely. So um Hear anything so, what Wayne Kiffin's gonna do with his two openings on defense? You know, um not yet. Um, you know, I know that he's lost two guys and that's that's kinda always what I think he's prepared for that. I, I have been impressed with the people that Lane 
has connections with. You know, there's a lot of belief that, well, Lane's not well-liked. He's well-liked. He's well-respected. He's got a lot of connections. Uh, I'm really excited. And and I'm excited, first of all, I think the best get was, you know, getting Jeff Levy, you know, um, locked in. Yeah. You know, because I think that – not that Lane couldn't fulfill that in, with himself and someone else, but the stability, I think, is important coming back for next year. And he's a guy that I think a lot of people – would have had interest in with some of these openings. All right, we'll wrap it up there. We'll come back on Tuesday. It'll be the day after Alabama-Ohio State. We'll break down that game. We'll talk about the latest and uh, the coaching circles. It'll really get heated up in the coaching circles next week because everybody will be off for a week before recruiting heats up. So we'll bring all of that to you on Tuesday. Enjoy the playoffs. Enjoy the championship game on Monday night. Stay safe. And we look forward to seeing you again on Tuesday on SEC Football and Beyond. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Have a great weekend. Take care.